How many of you are thankful for Jesus in your life this morning? Amen. It is so good to see you here this morning, Cross Point, uh, our faith family. And I tell you, um, uh, it's been a good time away. Last week, uh, Linnell and I had an opportunity to go with our family to the beach and uh, spend some time with both daughters and our son-in-laws and, and our grandbaby and have her play in the sand and in the water. And it was a good time. But, but I'll tell you, being away from your faith family is something that, that uh, Linnell and I miss greatly when we're away. It's hard to disconnect. Um, I've been told before uh, by, by different people, David, you just have to, you have to disconnect. You have to get away and just disconnect for a while and, 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 and sort of um, recharge your batteries. And it's just almost impossible. It is impossible for me. I just I can't do it because I love my faith family. And being away just causes me to miss you greatly. And I just want to say that. I, I tell you, it's... Uh, it's a wonderful thing that God is doing in this place, amen, and in the lives of individuals. And, and I tell you, I just don't, it, it, it just, it's hard to be away. And so I'm thankful to be back home with you guys this morning, um, and I'm thankful to be up here to bring a message from God's Word. Uh, I, I believe this morning that the message that God has given us is, is very timely. Uh, I, I believe it's very timely. Only you know, only God would have known that, that the message that we're going to be studying this morning is something that we all desperately need to hear this morning in, in a very real way, I believe. The message this morning is titled, uh, that, is titled, Faith is Greater Than My Suffering and My Pain. Faith is Greater Than My Suffering and My Pain. And, uh, and I just want to say this on the onset uh, of this message that this title, when, when, when I was seeking God's direction for this message, and I was thinking about that, what I wasn't saying in this title was that I always have a greater faith in God, and therefore my suffering and my pain is not something that I feel. I'm not saying I'm Superman when I make that sort of remark. But what I'm saying is, really, the faith that I should have in the midst of my suffering and my pain should be greater than my suffering and my pain. And I hope that makes sense to you this morning. We're going to dive into that uh, in, in a very deep way this morning as we turn into God's Word. I, I want to also say on, on the onset of this message that, that we also suffer in a lot of different ways. Every one of us have different triggers in our life that, that bring us to a place of just emotional distress, a place where we worry, a place where we are angered, a place where we hurt, where we are pained, where we just we find ourselves uncertain about life circumstances, we fear, we become scared. All of these things just sort of happen to each of us as individuals uh, because of different circumstances in our life. We just saw a video uh, of Greg and, and, and Tammy Godwin and, and, and just giving testimony of, of their faith in Christ Jesus at a time when they just seem to, to, to have everything going great in their life, and suddenly they find this, this great battle that they're in to try to see their daughter's life saved. And after a long, hard battle, they lost their daughter. And, and then, you know, the struggle of, of finding out that he had throat cancer, uh, cancer of the vocal cords, and having to work through that, that's a, that's a suffering that many of us in this room, we, we can't relate to. I know I can't really fully understand it because I haven't gone through that sort of issue. But there's also issues that, that we are facing 
not only as individuals in this, this day that, in which we live, but we're also facing as a community and as a country. One of the issues that I believe is, is plaguing our country today is racism and prejudice. It is something that has probably been going on for the, for the last couple of years as far as us understanding that this, this seems to be something that's sort of rising to the surface. And I think for so long we just kind of sat back and hoped that it would just go away, that it would, it would just sort of dis, uh, disappear in our life. But, but as we have seen that this week, uh, this past week in our country has been a very long and hard week. And it has... It has caused some emotions and it has caused some pain and it has caused some hurt and some suffering to sort of resurface in our life. And this hurt and this pain, this suffering is very real. It's something that, that is very real as it affects each and every one of us differently. This, this week we have, we have learned of some very tragic events and, and you know, it just seems as though the, the world in which we are living is just very chaotic these days. It is very chaotic and there just seems to be so much hatred and bitterness and even fear and suffering. And so how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we walk through these issues that we face? Every single one of us in this room face on a day-by-day -day basis. Now, I believe God's Word is going to help us with that this morning as we dive into it. Uh, I, I want to say this on the onset, you know, in a it, when, when the world seems so chaotic, we oftentimes forget that we worship a sovereign God. And I love the words of A.W. Tozer that when he was writing, he, he wrote these words. He says, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. And I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in that. Amen? I find great comfort in that. But knowing that, knowing that God is a God of sovereignty, knowing that God is a God who is still in control, doesn't always just quickly eliminate the pain and the suffering in our life. This morning, I believe it is, it is critical that we mourn the deaths of Alton Sterling and Philando Castell, who were killed this week. And the thing about prejudice and the thing about racism is it seems to divide a line in the sand. It seems to draw a line in the sand to where people begin to choose sides. And, and many of us have formed maybe already opinions of, of why these deaths happen. But the reality is this, is that they died. And there are families who are hurting. There are families who are suffering. And we as the church must stand up and we must be a light in a community, in a world, in a country where we can be a catalyst for hope. Five other names that must be remembered this morning as well, I believe, are the names of Brent Thompson, Michael Kroll, Patrick Zamarpa, Mike Smith, and Lauren Arenes. They were all policemen in Dallas. And they were killed this week also. But they weren't just policemen, they were husbands and dads. And so the reality is we live in a world where there seems to be so much turmoil and we have to somehow, as children of God and as the church, figure out how to come together where Christ is center. 
because we recognize that Christ is our hope. The realities of hurt and suffering are real. The realities of our brothers and sisters of different colors, uh, their, their pain is real. The reality is somehow as a church, we must recognize that there's a problem in this world and that problem is sin. And so this morning, I pray that as we dive into the Word of God, that we would remember these people, we would remember the suffering of the families. We would also recognize that these world events that happen also in our own faith family can cause issues to arise, can cause uh, fear to arise, can cause uncertainty to arise, and we must be the church that comes together for one another. We have to be the church that comes together for one another. I love what D.L. Moody once said. He says, as we're searching for peace, uh, talking, about how, talking about as we're searching for peace, he once said this. He said, a great many people are trying to make peace, but that has already been done. God has not left us to, for us to do. All we have to do is enter into it. He has given us the peace, and we're going to be talking about this mor- that this morning. But this morning, as we prepare to pray, I, I, I pray that we would be very sensitive to the real issues that each and every one of us in this room face as children of God, as brothers and sisters, as people of the same community and people of the same country. I pray that we would be very sensitive to one another because I believe that's what God has called us to do. And so this morning, I want to invite you to join me in prayer as we prepare to pray and just ask God to bless this time together as a faith family, as we come and study God's Word together, and we try to somehow find the hope in a world that just seems so chaotic. So will you pray with me here this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we, we thank You, Father, for Your presence in our life. We thank You for the reality that You have given us, Jesus Christ, who is indeed our hope. And Father, we recognize that we live in a world that, Lord, just seems to be out of control. The hatred and the bitterness and the, the, the racism and the prejudiceness that we, we experience in our world today, it is real. And God, we recognize that we need you today more than we have ever needed you before. Father, we recognize that what we need is an awakening of souls in this world to a Lord where they would be changed forever by your presence and your glory. Father, I pray that as we Dive into your word this morning, Father, that no matter how we may find ourselves suffering today, whether we're dealing with health issues or whether we're dealing with the loss of a loved one or whether we're mourning the deaths of, of people we don't even know this morning, but, but see the impact that it has on our country, Father, I pray that somehow we would find peace in you. And Father, as we prepare to dive into your word, I pray, God, that you would prepare our hearts as Spence prayed earlier Uh, in, In the service, Father, help us to place aside every distraction that may exist in our life today that we may clearly hear from you. Father, we need to hear from you. Father, we need to find the hope that your word promises us that we have in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The message is titled, Faith is Greater Than My Suffering and Pain. And we're going to be looking this morning 
at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And while you turn there, let me just say this, you know. um, It was probably over two months ago when, when I felt like God gave me this series to bring to us as a church. And the series is titled Greater Than, meaning that Jesus is greater than all of our circumstances. And as we begin to put this series together and we begin to pray, even as a staff, we were praying together over, you know, what are the issues that we may need to talk about and what is it that God would have us to communicate? One of the, one of the messages that I felt God laid on my heart was this message today. But who knew, other than God, how desperately we would need to hear these words today as we dive into God's Word? The reality is here that people are scared and people are hurt and people are fearful and people are uncertain in our world today. And maybe that's you today. Or maybe it's not you today. But the reality is, if it's you today that is hurting and and suffering and in pain and dealing with maybe some of the most difficult circumstances you've ever faced, then, then this message is for you. I pray that this message would bring you comfort today. But if today we find ourselves in a place where suffering is really not a reality to our life, then I pray that for those of us who find ourselves in a good place today, that we would find the words that we need to somehow be able to share with our brothers and our sisters in Christ, that we may come together in unity to be a catalyst for life change, not only in our community, but around the world. And so that's my prayer this morning. I want you to know this morning I am not an angry pastor, but instead I'm a broken pastor over the the life events that are unfolding in our world today. And I believe that we can be catalysts of change. I believe that we can be agents of God's glory. I believe that we can go into a community and help right the wrongs. I believe that we can help people deal with the suffering that they are facing in their world today. I believe that we can help in the, in the area of discipleship where people can know that Jesus is greater than everything that they may face. That's what I believe in this world today. And so this morning, amen. This morning, I I just want to turn to God's Word because I find myself so often not having any other word but God's Word. And so this morning, we'll be diving into this truth. I believe that God's Word will lead us to a place of healing and ultimately to peace in our life. And so read this passage with me, if you will. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Word of God says this, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now I realize that having faith in the midst, in the, in the center of our suffering, in the center of our hurt, in the center of our uncertainty, I realize that having faith is a difficult thing. 
Oftentimes, as followers of Christ Jesus, we live out our life and we, we wonder, God, how is this happening? Why is this happening? And we, we find ourselves not being quite men and women of faith as maybe what we should be as followers of Christ Jesus because of the world events that are, that are unfolding and the, the, the situations that we have to wrestle with, the emotions that we are dealing with. We find ourselves dealing with this and it's not easy to be people of faith. In our, in our pain and our anguish and our hurt, we often feel angry. We often feel alone. We feel isolated. We feel helpless as though we can do nothing about the situations in life that we are facing. We all face different triggers, I've, as I've already said here this morning. We all face different things in our life. You know, racism may be a problem in our world today, but for the person who found out that they had cancer yesterday, that's probably not very high on their list. We all suffer in different ways, but it doesn't take away from the reality that our suffering, no matter what it is in our life, is something that we should all embrace in each other and for each other. We are all suffering in different ways. And so we must try to understand what God's Word is teaching us about being people of faith and understanding that our faith is indeed greater than our suffering and our pain. Faith is what we must turn to, not fear, not uncertainty, not untrust of what God is doing as He is sovereign in our world. But faith is that which we must turn to. As I was writing this message, I, I wrote down several questions. I was just, I, a lot of times I just start off writing questions that I have as I'm trying to figure out what it is that, that, that God would have me to, to share with you this morning. And I wrote down three questions here I want to sort of present to you. These are questions that were for me. Maybe they're not questions for you. Maybe they were just questions for me. But for me, as I process this text, as I try to understand what it is that God's Word is teaching me in this moment, in this week of my life, these are the questions I wrote down. The first question is this, what does it say of my faith if, if I only trust Him when things are going my way? What does it say of my faith when I only trust Him when things are going my way? The other question that I asked, the second question that I wrote down is this, what does it say of my faith when I react without understanding my neighbor's plight? What does it say of my faith when I react without trying to understand what my neighbor, what my brother or my sister is going through? What does it say of my faith? And the third question I wrote down is this, what does it say of my faith when my attitude is one of anger instead of peacemaking? And so these are just a few questions that I wrote down as I tried to process how this text was relevant to us this week as we gathered together as a body of Christ coming together to seek hope that can only come from Christ. You know, I, I ended up writing down this statement, and I want to give you this this morning because I believe that this was something that I, that I just felt like God laid on my heart this morning, but I wrote this down. I wrote down this. Our sufferings... Our sufferings, our pain, our anguish, whatever it is that we're going through, our suffering should always push us toward our God who cares so deeply for us and our faith in Him should lead us to the hope that we so desperately need. Did you catch that? Our sufferings, the things that we're going through as individuals, the things that we are going through as a community, the things that we are going through even as a country those sufferings that we face 
should push us, should drive us, if you will, should push us to the God who cares so deeply for us, our God who cares so deeply for us, and they should, uh, they should uh, and our, our faith in Him should lead us to the hope that we are so desperately seeking. You see, the reality is when we find ourselves faithless, when we find ourselves hopeless, when we find ourselves overwhelmed with emotion that we can't explain because of our circumstances, what we have to realize is that one that we desperately need more than anything is Jesus. Is Jesus. I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. And this week, I sat there as I, I watched the current events unfold while on vacation, trying to find joy in, 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 in my time with my family while wrestling with the issues that were at hand and realizing that there is nothing I can do about the situations that we face in our world today. Not on this side of Jesus coming again. And I thought about that, and I wondered about that, and I processed through that. And, 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 and all I could really do is come up with this, this idea that what I must do in times like this is just turn to Him. This morning, I, I want to look over the text that we have, have just read together, and I want to uh, present to you a couple of things that I believe are, are truths that we learn from this text. The first one is this, is that through faith, we have peace. I want you to get the, the, the gist of what I'm saying here. Through faith, we have peace. I'm not saying we can have peace. I'm saying we have peace. And I believe that our text is teaching us that as we look into the Word of God here this morning. Read this with me, if you will. Verse 1. It says, Therefore, we have been justified by faith. Let me ask you, how many of you here today are children of God or followers of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Give applause to God or whatever you want to do here. Praise Him. This word says here this morning, for therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in other words, if we stand here today as children of God, if we stand here today as people of faith, if we stand here today as disciples of Jesus Christ, then everything that follows that statement is true for us, right? So we have been justified by faith. And here's what it says here this morning. It says we have been justified by faith. We have Peace. Do you see that? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this statement. I love this truth in God's Word. Because you see, oftentimes when we are going through our circumstances, we feel as though there is no peace in our life. We, we look in all the wrong places for peace. When Jesus Christ, He is our peace. It's not that He is simply the source of our peace. He's not simply the catalyst to peace. He is the peace that we have been given by the grace of a Father who cares deeply for us. We have peace in Christ Jesus. If we've been justified by faith, if we are children of God, we have the peace that we need to get through this time of suffering in our life, this time of, 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 of emotions running high, this time of feeling things that we don't want to feel. We can have the peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. Says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace begins with Jesus. Jesus is the one who stood in the place of sinners at Calvary. Jesus is the one who was murdered at the hands of, 
of a mob. Jesus is the one who was killed on a cross. Jesus is the one who went to the grave and was buried. But Jesus is also the one who in three days, he rose from the grave, having victory over sin and having victory over death. Amen? How many of you believe that this morning? This is Jesus. And he is our peace. The word of God tells us that we have peace in Christ Jesus. Now, maybe we don't want to turn to Jesus during times of suffering during times of pain, but we have peace in Christ Jesus. We do not have to live our lives in fear. In fact, it is Jesus who tells us not to live our life in fear. When we face uncertainty, when we face struggles in life, when we face things that anger us and, and make us mad, when we see things that, that cause us to the emotions to run high, what Jesus challenges us with, the word of his truth is not to fear. Jesus says in John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Circumstances in our life will oftentimes cause fear to rise to the surface. But Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. It is the greatest gift that we have ever been given. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I don't know about you, but these are very comforting words to me. These are words that when, when there's heartbreak in my life, I've been around for a while. And there's been a lot of heartbreak in my life. It never really goes away. I am thankful that I can turn to Jesus and find peace. You know, as a pastor, I am contacted almost every day. In fact, I would say that most every day I am contacted by people who are suffering, by people who are going through struggles, by people who are dealing with stuff that is unimaginable. Sometimes I talk to people who have been places that are going through places that I have been, and I find maybe a little more wisdom to share with them from my own life experiences. And oftentimes, I am dealing with and talking with and having conversation with people who are going through situations in their life that I can hardly relate to because I've never walked in their shoes. And oftentimes, the, the struggles that people bring to me as a pastor are struggles that as I hear them, as I, as I, as I listen to their story, as I listen to the issues that is causing the pain in their life, I want to do something about it. And I feel helpless. When all I can say is, Jesus is our hope. He is our peace. Because it doesn't seem tangible. But it is. Jesus is sufficient during those times when we struggle, when we suffer, when we hurt. Jesus is sufficient as we deal with the situations. And we as the church, we must, we must prevail by believing that through faith we have peace. Psalm 29.11 says this, says the Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people 
with peace. That's a promise from God's Word. He has given us peace through Christ Jesus. Another thing that we notice in this text is this, is that by faith we stand in grace. By faith we stand in grace. I thought it was really interesting just really looking into that, that phrase by, you know, that, that we see here in, in, chap, in, excuse me, in verse 2 of chapter 5 here. Read this with me, if you will. It says this, Through Him we have also attained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Listen to what this says now. I want you to get this. By faith into this grace in which we stand. He's presenting to us, those of us who are walking during times of great suffering, he is presenting to us that one of the things that, that we should apply to our lives is by standing in faith in the grace that we have been given. I've looked at this and I've tried to understand it. The question that sort of came to my mind was, why would it be so important for us to stand so firmly in grace? What does it even mean for us to stand in grace in the midst of our suffering? I begin to realize several things. First of all, standing in grace helps us to respond the way Christ would respond. Standing in God's grace helps us to respond in a Christ-like manner. Standing in the grace of God helps us to be more like Christ. Yesterday I was brought to tears as I was looking on Facebook at a post that I had, someone had told me that existed on the Valdosta Police Department's Facebook post. And it was a video of some young black uh, people in our community that were standing there with, with posters. They were standing there in support of Officer Hancock's recovery. And I read, the, I read the post that they had posted and I was, I was so proud in that moment for these young people that were standing there with their signs and support and love for this officer in our own community that, who had been shot. And I remember just pausing the video because I wanted to see what it was that was written on their things. And I was so encouraged by the, by the wisdom of these young people that were, were standing there hoping for this this officer of the law to pull through in, in recovery. And I remember as I was reading the different posters, I, I came to one young lady who was standing there and, she, and, and I looked at and I realized as I was reading that it was a scripture verse. And I, I went on down and I, I read where she had, she had referenced 2 Timothy 3. In case you're not aware, 2 Timothy 3 speaks of the ungodliness in the last days. I remember being a little puzzled by that, that verse that she would pick out. I, I, was, I was a little bit surprised. I thought it might deal with, with racism more directly or something, but it just talked about ungodliness. And then I realized the wisdom in that passage of Scripture. I realized the wisdom that that young lady was sharing with our community as she stood there in support of this man who was struggling for her life, his life. Because you see, the problem is much greater than all of the sufferings that we may face as individuals. The problem that she was recognizing is that we have in our country a problem, a great problem with ungodliness. 
And I remember being so proud of these young people because they were standing there for Christ. They were standing there to be a light in the darkness of our community. They were standing there to promote the glory of God. I remember just being so encouraged by what I saw in that post. These young people standing in God's grace. Through Him we have attained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Philippians 1.27 reminds us of another truth, and that truth is that standing in grace allows us to also fully embrace God's plan for unity. You see, the things that are happening in this world, they should really be driving us together. You see, the enemy hopes that it will separate. But the Word of God teaches us is that when, when we begin to stand in God's grace, when we begin to stand together in God's grace, that we become a light in a dark world, that by standing together in unity, what begins to happen is that the community around us begins to see Jesus in us. And I love that. Philippians 1.27 says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side. For the faith of the gospel. The last thing I want to point out that our text points to this morning is this truth, this reality that faith produces hope. Faith produces hope. Starting with verse 3 and following, it says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Notice what happens here in this text. Notice how it begins with suffering, but it ends with hope. I love that. It begins with the reality that, that suffering is a reality in our world. But what we see is, is that through this suffering, as we read through this, the rest of this text, as we read through these few verses here, what we see is the byproduct of our suffering is hope. And quite honestly, that doesn't make sense a lot of times when we think about it because in our suffering, we feel hopeless. But the reality of God's Word says that in Christ Jesus, as we walk through our suffering, the thing that's going to come out in the end is the hope that we are so desperately seeking as children of God. Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful to me. This phrase, I love this. That hope, it does not put us to shame. The hope that we have in Christ, it does not put us to shame. And this is huge for us to understand here this morning. This is big because, because quite honestly, it literally means a hope that will not deceive us. How many of you this morning believe that God is faithful? Amen? How many of you believe that God is faithful? Give glory to God if you believe that God is faithful. The hope that comes from our Father in heaven, will never deceive us. What we receive from God, our Father, is hope 
not hopelessness. He takes our suffering and He allows us to walk through it. He allows it to process. He allows it to marinate. He allows it to to form into hope. That is the product of our suffering. And so what we see here in this passage as we read through it, we see that knowing this, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and this hope from God does not put us to shame. It doesn't deceive. It is truth. I love this this verse, Psalm 22, 5. It says, To you, God, they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. My friends, our Father, our Father will never put us to shame. The world seeks to kill. The world seeks to divide. The world seeks to destroy. But the hope that we have in Christ Jesus is the hope that we're looking for. We also see this phrase. God's love has been poured into our hearts. This is why I believe that we should empathize, we should sympathize and have compassion for our brothers and sisters who are hurting Not judge the reason by which they hurt. Not wonder if their pain is justified, their suffering is just. But to recognize that they are hurting and they are suffering. And so if they are hurting and if they are suffering, then our responsibility as a faith family, as children of God, as the church, is to come along and to present to them, to offer to them Jesus, who is our hope. Who is our peace? I saw this weekend a news article on CNN. And the title really caught my attention. I I, I saw it and I read it. And the title of this, this article said this. It says, Who can heal our land? And so I clicked on it. And there was a picture of three politicians. Hillary Clinton. President Obama, Donald Trump. Can I just say to you this morning, that is not where our hope is. Our hope is not in a politician. Our hope is in a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And that is the only place that we're going to find hope these days. I'm not saying voting is not important. I'm just saying that's not where my hope lies. I am so disappointed in the way the world views the source of our hope. We've always ended these, these, uh, these messages throughout the series with a promise. And I want to I offer you this last promise here this morning. I'm going to invite Janetta, wherever she is, to, uh, to come on up and we'll close out the service here. But promise number six of our series is this. It comes from Psalm 23, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's 
sake. How many of you are thankful this morning that the Lord is your shepherd? That he restores our soul. I said on the onset of this message, I'm not an angry pastor. I think sometimes my passion is interpreted that way. But I am broken over the lostness in our world today. I am broken over the sin that runs rampant in our world today. I am broken over the the hate and the bitterness. I'm saddened by the suffering that so many people face on a regular basis. I hurt when you hurt. This morning, I want to close by reading with a, a prayer that Ravi Zacharias posted, posted this weekend. It was a prayer that he's praying. He's an author and a theologian. Many of you know him, but he was, he was posted this prayer. It's a prayer for our country. And I thought it was so insightful. This was his prayer. He said, O Lord of miracles, do what only you can do to save us from ourselves. Give us men and women who will lead us to reconciliation. Give us leaders who will bind us up to heal our wounds, not those who will only incite more hate. Give us voices that will bring hope and not despair. Please comfort the bereaved and give humility to the ones who are resistant to your way. Give us pause so that we might sit back for just a few moments to look to you before we look at our impulsive solutions. Without you, we have no hope. With you, all things are possible, even for beauty to come from ashes. I'm going to close us with a word of prayer. Cross Point Church, I love you so much. I feel like we can make a difference in our community and around the world when we stand firm in the grace of God. When our community sees in us Jesus rather than ourselves. I believe we can make a difference in our community because God wants to use us to make that difference. I'm not taking God out of the picture. We all know that without Him, nothing righteous would be accomplished. But I believe God wants to use His children to reach our world for His glory. In just a moment, I'm going to close us with a word of prayer and our band's going to come up here and Spence and the worship team's going to lead us in a time of worship. I want to encourage you to join me this morning in prayer. Would you pray with me? Our altar is open to come and to get before God on our knees and to let the, the sadness of our heart be heard by a, 
wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a prince of peace. Maybe for you, this place, this altar is where you need to be this morning. I want to join you to pray with me. Maybe you want to remain seated while they lead us in song and spend time with God as you think about what He has spoken through His Word to us today. That's fine. Or maybe your greatest act of worship is to stand and give praise to Him through song. But I want to invite us as a church to remember all those that are hurting, the families that are suffering, the people within our own faith family that are hurting. Let us pray for our neighbors. Let us pray for our families. Let us pray for our community. But let us not not pray. Join me in prayer this morning as we turn to Jesus, who is our only hope. Father, we are thankful for your presence in our life. Father, we are thankful for the gift of peace that we have in Christ. Father, we are thankful that our suffering when we turn to You will lead to hope and take us away from hopelessness. Father, we are thankful that You have brought every one of us together as a faith family into this place. God, we are thankful that we have the opportunity to stand united in Your grace. Father, we are thankful that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can love each other and not hate. Because Your Word tells us that You first loved us. That we could love You and in return love others. Thank You, Father, for Your grace in our life. Father, help us to not choose sides, but rather come to You in great faith, believing that, Father, we can see revival in the hearts of many. That we could even see a great awakening in our country. Many of us believe that we're on the very onset of that taking place in our world today. Father, let it be. Let it be so that, that through Your power and Your presence and Your strength, You bring great awakening in the hearts of the lost that You bring great revival in the hearts of Your children. Father, help us as disciples of Jesus Christ to not remain silent, but to turn to You in prayer. Help us to respond in faithfulness. Help us to get over ourselves. Father, help us to lean on You. Help us to bring glory to your name. Father, we love you and we praise you and we are broken. We are broken. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray.
Amen.